Okay, people, coming up on Just for Sport, I give props to Phil Chenier, the legend. He's a former NBA player, world champion with the Washington Bullets, who then went on to be the color analyst for the Bullets and Wizards games. Now he has a podcast with his friend and play-by-play partner, Steve Buckhands. It's called On the Road with Buck and Phil, and it's worth a listen. But now he's here as my guest on Just for Sport. We talk about the sudden cancellation of games across multiple sport leagues after the shooting of Jacob Blake, how athletes today compare to his playing days when it comes to social justice, his take on the bubble, and who he thinks could win it all when games resume. But first, we start with Haley's comments on everything from Messi's plan to leave Barcelona. I have a personal story to share about that. Haley and I spend a lot of time talking about the shooting of Jacob Blake and the subsequent protests across sports from the players, I see you NHL, to the teams, leagues, broadcast partners, and the overall business and economic ramifications of it. For the Props Network, this is Just for Sport in three, two, one. Okay, people, it's time for Haley's Comments, one of my favorite segments of the day as we get to talk about headlines. And boy, do we have some headlines. Haley, where are we starting? Okay, it's been a busy, busy week, both good and bad. We're going to start in Europe, even though I'm coming to you from Asia. We're talking about the messy situation getting a little messy. And I know this is a little personal for you because you got to meet Lionel Messi. He's one of your heroes. You met him at a Wizards game. Um, How do you feel about everything that's going on in Barcelona? You know, it's crazy because I have three brothers. We each have a different favorite team. And my youngest one, who we mess with all the time, he's a Messi fan. So he's kind of sad because we've been kind of bashing him. But the crazy thing is I'm really a Ronaldo fan. So when I met Messi, it was like, this is actually kind of cool. And then I had a personal connection with him. So it was You know, I've become a Messi fan over the years. I mean, he is arguably the greatest soccer player of all time. And he's made probably the biggest announcement that is shattering the sports world globally. And then following that is Black Lives Matter and postponement of games. But this is a little more of a lighthearted topic. But Messi leaving Barca is huge. Huge. Honestly, if he wants to sneak away in any way, shape, or form, now is the time to do it. Yeah, right? Yeah, it's like, okay, there's enough other things going on that I can just say, hey, I'm out of here. Apparently, he's going to talk in the next day or two because he wants to get he wants to get his statement out, which is understandable because everybody's got their own theories of where he's going and why he's leaving. And Messi just has to come out with his own statement to let people know what he's going to do. All right, where do you think he's going to go? Uh, I, sad to say, I think he is going to lead towards Manchester City if they can afford the like 800 gazillion dollar transfer that he's asking for. But I think with uh, Pep being the head coach there, they have a connection. Uh, It's my brother's favorite team. That's probably where he's going, no doubt. Man City. If I got a bet on it, I'm saying he's going to Man City. You know, some crazy fans on Twitter are fantasizing that he's going home to Argentina. I think they're a little out there in outer space, but can you imagine? Uh, I cannot imagine, but what I know that not many people imagine is when the Argentinian soccer team came to uh, what was then Verizon Center, and no one really in the arena understood soccer. They didn't know how big he was. Haley, when I tell you the team was in a suite, 
the team could not leave the suite by the end of the game. The, the concourse was filled with fans. Everybody wanted to see Messi, Sergio Aguera. The, the entire team was in this suite. It took an hour and a half of sitting in the suite after the game for them to say, you know what, we're going to have to have a security person at every vestibule, right, so people can't get in the bowl. And the Argentinian soccer team had to climb over the glass out of the suite, not through the door like most fans do. They climbed over the glass, had to walk down the arena, onto the court, through the, around the locker room to get out. Well, by then, the Wizards players were excited. Nene, Otto Porter are big soccer fans. So yeah. then, if you can imagine, I'll post a video. You'll see it right here. Messi and the guys were playing soccer with the basketballs. They were playing on the court, and Nene and Otto were like – Otto was just stunned that Messi was standing yeah. right in front of him and talking to him. But it was the single greatest moment of basketball and soccer coming together two of the, the greatest sports worldwide on this big stage, having some, you know, private time together, talking sports. And it was just amazing to be there with the camera and capture it all. And Nene was that FIFA fanatic. I remember that. That was, man, that must have been huge for him. I remember you walking off our set. People said, where are you going? Okay, and you just casually said, I'm, I have to go interview Messi. <laughs> what? <laughs> the greatest day in my life for soccer, outside of getting to see Chelsea and Didier Drogba playing in his first game in Pittsburgh, Chelsea AS Roma. There you go. Jamal, good. this is a tough one. We need to pivot in a very serious direction. The world and the sports world in particular have been just shaken by yet another act of police brutality against a person of color. Jacob Blake is fighting for his life in the hospital after being shot seven times in the back in front of his children by police in Wisconsin. Jamoke, this has been a crazy summer. The activism has been reinvigorated by this latest act of police brutality and there's um, there's chatter from both sides, but for the most part, it seems that the sports world has fallen on the side of justice and the NBA postponed boycotting. I would say they're striking from their games because semantics, but they're not the consumers here. So they're not performing in light of this act of police brutality here. And Jamoke, we're also seeing these demonstrations be stretched across professional sports. MLB is taking a big, big stand, three games postponed. Um, how significant is this when you hold it up against the Black Lives Matter displays that we've seen throughout this summer? I think it's huge. And I, I think that if you want to talk about foresight, this is exactly what the players didn't want to have happen when they went into the bubble. This is that worst case scenario. Outside of the pandemic, their biggest concern was if we go into this bubble and something else happens, what are we going to do? In this case, the players had no choice. I mean, you see the tweet, shout out to Michael Lee, where he talked about uh, Giannis receiving a message from President Barack Obama saying, you got to be a leader. You've got to take a stand. And this is your time to take that stand. And this was back in February. This was back mm -hmm. in February. 
So Giannis and the Bucks said, look, this is happening in our home state. We have to do something. And make no mistake, this is a player's decision. The team, the league, had to go along with it. This is the players. They control everything. And they may not have realized it back in the day 100%, you know, back when Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was, was protesting the no-dunk rule because they were trying to level the playing field because Kareem was dominating, you know, or, uh, you know, Muhammad Ali saying, I'm not going to fight in the war and losing his heavyweight title. We can go for, you know, all along history and find different moments that athletes took a stand. You know, John Carlos, Tommy Smith, this is a stand at Bill Russell, you know, boycotting when he wasn't served at a, at a lunch counter and the rest of the Celtics said, we are playing in the game. This isn't the first time it's happened. Yes, it is something that's happening now. So we think of it in the present moment as if, you know, this is the first time, but no, it's not. And we have to do something. I love that, you know, MLB, like you mentioned, MLS, the WNBA took a stand, you know, the Mystics and their great video. Naomi Osaka, who's playing in a semifinal mm -hmm. tennis match, posted online, I will not be playing. We have mm -hmm. to do something, Haley. And this is what the players can do, is protest games. And like you said, this was not planned by the league. The league, the teams, the owners, they didn't know until the day of, but they truly were not given a choice. Now, the NBA is more ripe for displays of activism than any other league because of the star power, because of that really turbulent history when it comes to race relations. And you have superstars who have such a grand platform and my favorite tweet from all of this actually came from John Wall saying, we're not going to just shut up and dribble anymore. And that's a response to it started with Fox News, Laura Ingram saying LeBron needs to shut up and dribble and stop talking about Black Lives Matter. Mm -hmm. Well, John Wall, who I want to say he's mild mannered compared to some superstar athletes coming out and saying, we're not going to shut up and dribble. Mm -hmm. The NBA absolutely taking a stand. And this is a huge statement. We'll get into the business impact and of course the betting impact in just a little bit. And it's bleeding over. I don't even want to, I don't want to take credit away from the WNBA and say it's bleeding over because there are so many strong athletes on the women's side of things who are taking a stand as well. But NBA, is leading the charge here but then three games postponed in the MLB did you see that one coming I the only reason why I said yes I saw that coming is because this movement is beyond basketball NBA you could almost say that this is the black sport right more <laughs> minorities follow basketball than the other sports you know, one of the teams that uh, protested and canceled their game was the Seattle, Mar Seattle Mariners, who have the largest number of African minority players on that team. But the key of why this is important in our lifetime and why sports, because sports is the last great live soapbox. Every night, if a player or team so chooses, they can speak out. They can stand up for something on a massive scale. Right. An actor can't do that. You got a movie premiere, maybe. But if you're on a set, you know, you, I guess you can maybe walk off the set. But I, it doesn't have the same impact as something that's happening live. People are watching it or about to watch it. Something happens of this magnitude and the game 
ends. You have nothing else to watch. I am disappointed that the NHL continued to play the game, not because I don't understand. Yeah, you have playoffs, but you said you were all on this too. You said, oh, we mm-hmm. care about Black Lives Matter too. You didn't have to be the first. But when all of the dominoes started to fall and the NHL said, well, we're still going to play. It's like, well, maybe Black Lives Matter doesn't really matter to you the same way. A news outlet can't be that way because as a news anchor, you're supposed to be, you're supposed to be objective, right? You're not supposed to have a, a voice that the same way. Sports is for the people to come together. No matter where you're from, religion, politics, race, Everybody comes together to watch sports. And this is why it's the last great place to take a stand. And I want to take it one step further. Um, Mm. There aren't enough minorities doing play-by-play sports. And so the Black athlete becomes even more important because what we do see as a, well, how often is it the white play-by-play person and the Black uh, color analyst? And it's a former player. That's, that's standard all the way back in the day. So it's made the black athlete even more important today because they're the only ones who have a voice or have the majority voice, at least when it comes to basketball and in, in a little bit of football, right? And not so much be- and baseball, right? We can grow it and grow it and start expanding the sports. And we see, oh, the African-American voice actually is pretty small, right? Because in the end, People don't understand that in the present and live black matters, live black matters, we do not have a significant voice outside of basketball. And so you have white people pontificating on national cable, regional sports network, you know, uh, blogs, um, different shows that now we want to have more of a voice. And so this is the only way to have a voice is not just to speak out even on our platform, but we need the athletes because like you mentioned, John Wall, you have the bigger athletes talking, then you'll get the other athletes who normally don't talk to talk or speak out because they have the courage. They understand that, okay, I need to speak out because we, we need to have our own voice disseminating and deciphering the message. Not so much someone who doesn't understand where we come from, talking about it that's why to hear kenny to watch kenny smith walk off a set to hear chris weber talk about it to hear the players donovan mitchell everyone talk about it michael will buy some great messages doc rivers oh my gosh we could go on and on for days and he said the best message of all that i heard that's that that stuck in my heart because of what i've been through too is he said it's amazing to me how we keep loving this country and this country doesn't love us back. That's really surreal to hear you say, considering how much you and I work together. And, you know, I feel for you and every other person of color in this industry. And I admire what you all have gone through and the adversity that you've faced. And we need to lift those voices. And like you said, there need to be more people of color in that position with a headset doing the play-by-play because those are the super fans. Those are the experts and kids are going to be at home watching. And of course they can aspire to be an athlete, but how many kids aspire to call a game? Tons. And so if they see someone who looks like them, they can say, Oh, I can do that. Now I want to go back to the NHL because in my experience, Jamoke, 
I think I want to believe that it's a matter of proximity and exposure. And for white people, you can have the best intention and still not have that exposure and kind of not feel like you have permission to talk about the subject matter. And I know everyone needs to stand up for the most baseline human right, that we are all equal, but a lot of white people don't really know what to do with the subject matter. They don't know, you know, the right verbiage to use. And so in baseball, you have a good amount of black voices who are leading the charge. But I think in the NHL, that's what's lacking is having people of color around you leading the way. And although it's everywhere on social media, in the news, um, in other sports, I think that proximity is kind of keeping a lot of the well-meaning white people from taking a strong stand there. And it's frustrating to see, and I don't know what it's going to take to get the league to kind of step over the doorstep and, and join the party. It's tough to watch. But like you said, athletes are making the biggest statement because Chris Weber, I mean, he, he was in tears in his video on Twitter, Jamoke. I was tearing yeah. up. I had chills. Yeah explaining that he has to explain to his godson why there's no basketball I mean kids are gonna ask why aren't we watching the game and parents have to force those tough conversations and explain to their kids or they may choose not to and you know that's their loss because this is a perfect example for kids across the world across the country and all over the world to learn here from their role models so it's and, 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 and in many ways you know what the, the thing is is that that's because similar to what LeBron James said too Black Lives Matter for us is not a movement. It's a mm -hmm. lifestyle. It's a reality. This is what we have to deal with every day. And to go back to the NHL, all you had to do was cancel the game. Cancel the games yesterday. You can play today. The NBA may not play today. But in solidarity, it was an easy decision to make. Zidane Ochara, great. Oh, yeah, we're behind everybody. Black Lives Matter. But we're still going to play. No. If, if outside of saying, Haley, because what you talked about is you don't know what to say, you don't have to say anything. You have to listen and react. You listened. You saw what the NBA did. You should have reacted and said, we will do the same. And everything will be fine. Instead, you didn't. And no one will forget that you did that. Don't stand up here and say, oh, I believe in Black Lives Matter, but we still want to play. Right? You support the fight against racism and injustice back to Sedano Char. But, oh, but we're still going to play. That's what happened. That's the reality of what you did, what the NHL did, because I want to put it on the players, because realistically, just like the NBA players made the decision, not the league, not the team, not the owners, the players did. The NHL players could have done the same, and they didn't. They didn't. It will not be forgotten. Right, right. And remember, this all has massive financial implications. We got to talk about the business side of this. And we need to level the charge that maybe the NHL doesn't want to take the hit that they could lose fans, they could lose viewers, which it's so many people who are opposed to Black Lives Matter are threatening on Twitter. I'm going to stop watching MLB. I'm going to stop watching the NBA. NFL players kneel. I'm not watching. Well, have they stopped watching? Because I'm pretty sure they're still chattering on Twitter. They're still screaming instead of listening. Are they going no. to lose fans? I don't know. But there's massive implications here on the financial side. Maybe that's why the NHL is towing the line. They're scared. Mm -hmm. They're putting 
money before human lives. Um, but what are the financial implications that the NBA is dealing with here? So it, it's in the beginning, before they were deciding if they were going to play, there was talk of if we don't have any kind of season, we're talking about losing 650, upwards of $650 million. And that's just on the player side. That's just from salaries and what they would get. The league, we're talking billions of dollars that can be lost by not playing. Sure, MLB is in a very similar situation. NFL, probably even way more than we're talking about. The NBA dollars lost, MLS, WNBA, NHL. So yes, there is money to be lost. But I also have to remind everybody, the loss didn't start because of Black Lives Matter. That wasn't why the season stopped. That was a pandemic, okay? Let's not forget that that's why we weren't playing, first and foremost. And I think that's getting lost in, oh, we can't stop for Black Lives Matter. It was stopped because of the pandemic. And so now we're in a situation where it's like, okay, there's, it's tough. Because even on, you know, I'm, I'm text messaging with friends and people, and it's just like, there's, there's no black or white here. It's hard to say who's right and who's wrong, okay? Let me back up a little bit for the financial aspect of it. So Tommy Smith and uh, John Carlos, they protested during the 1968 Olympics. They put up their fists, right? Mm -hmm. Everyone thought mm -hmm. it was for Black Lives Matter or the Black Power Movement, okay? Right. It was for human rights, Haley. Mm. All the, the other athlete who was an Australian was also wearing a human rights patch. He didn't put his hand up, but he was wearing a human rights patch. This was an additional thing that Tommy Smith and John Carlos did because, yes, you know, there were issues, you know, black power. That was a part of it. But we are talking about, in the end, human rights. Mm. No one should be shot in the back without a weapon in their hand that they were brandishing and a, and, a, and a police who they often say, well, I fear for my life. There's no way you fell for your life in that situation with Jacob Blake. You didn't. We've so, seen it. No way. No. What are we doing here? And that's just one, police brutality. There are social inequalities as well that that was a, also a part of the conversation that we cannot forget. So the economic ramifications have a lot to do with it. But I think psychologically, with players in the bubble, uh, hockey's in the bubble too, uh, NBA's in the bubble, they're stuck. They can't go out and help protest and be a part of it. I guess Major League Baseball could. I think is very proud of uh, the uh, Major League Baseball, the players, you know, especially the Milwaukee Brewers, also Wisconsin, standing up immediately saying, hey, we're going to stop. Um, yeah. Because it shouldn't be about money, Haley. In the end doesn't matter what money we're talking about because no life is worthless. We don't have to get into priceless, but we can get into saying that no life is worthless. And that's what I feel like what happened with Jacob Blake and the ramifications of that. Yeah, it is billions of dollars because of some cops. Enough is enough. Time to take a stand. Yeah. Okay, so surprise topic somewhat related. I've got two of them for you today. Okay. One, we're going to start out with my personal hero. We both know her. I think we both love her, Natasha Cloud. She's sitting out this WNBA season. 
a lot of a lot of strong statements from her on social media. She's been making appearances. She's my personal favorite guard in all of basketball. Her voice is so loud, so strong, so wise. What do you think about her impact personally that she's been making? I think it's amazing. I think it's courageous. Uh, you know, for the longest time, I really was very critical of, in the, of WNBA players not playing in the WNBA season. And not from there, you know, for their sake, but I mean, they have to play year long. They're playing overseas. And when they come back here, you know, they might, they're not making nearly as much money as they made over there. And the players feel like they want it off season. But I think for Natasha, it takes a lot of courage to come off of an NBA, WNBA championship team and saying, I'm not going to play the fight for social justice. Like that is the most courageous thing that anyone could do. I don't even think I could say, hey, I'm not, I'm going to stop working and just do social justice reform unless someone was paying you for it. And so I hope just like, you know, Kyrie Irving saying he's giving money to WNBA players that, that are sitting out the season. I hope some uh, several people, several businesses, owners are going to step up and help Natasha. You know, the Mystics, you know, they're, the powerful video of them wearing the T-shirts with the seven gunshots in their back, each one of them wearing a different letter for Jacob Blake's name going out to on the court as if they were going to play and then not playing. I know Natasha played a hand in that. If not in, in, obviously not in person, maybe she called him and said, Hey, this is what you have to do. Maybe she was the coach. Eric, T uh, Mike Tebow's a coach on the court. Natasha Cloud's the coach for social justice, telling the mystics <laughs> what to do and how to do it. And the players perfected it, perfected the play to a T. And that's Natasha Cloud being a cloud over everyone at this time. We need more Natasha Clouds and she's gonna do it. Strong and she's so young and her voice is just, it's so articulate. She's incredible. Good point. She's the sixth man for the mystics, guiding them towards social justice. <laughs> okay, Jamoke, our surprise topic here. We talked about it last week, and I was so pleased to find out that you've been following Free Britney, Britney Gate, all of that. So for the past decade, Britney Spears has been a prisoner in her own house. So many people are throwing these conspiracies around, like her father's controlling her, she's on these psychedelic meds. Um, if you follow her on social media, it's nothing short of insane. Um, she just posts these videos where it's like she's possessed and like she's talking and she's dead behind the eyes and mm -hmm. she's talking about how she burns down her gym and her home because she had candles lit. It's just so strange. Anyway, so her father was the conservator of, his, of her estate. And so he basically runs the show. That appointment from a judge expired um so she was pushing for i think for someone else to have control of her estate yeah. um but since then we have found out that jamie lynn spears is a hero behind the scenes it seems the younger sister zoe 101 we were all upset with her when zoe 101 got canceled <laughs> she got pregnant at 16 and the rest of us were 16 wondering how that even happened um so, little sis coming to save the day, Britney Spears might be able to leave her compound soon. What do you think is going on behind the scenes? Uh, I think it's madness. I'm really, it really <laughs> makes me sad, but yeah. a, a great, 
uh, soap opera of what's going on between the dad and the sister. And, you know, I heard the ACLU, they now want to get involved because, you know, they think that people with disabilities, which they do think that Brittany falls under that, that they need support. And, you know, if, if at least she's got Jamie Lynn, I hope Jamie Lynn can do something to give her, you know, reinvigorate her life and let her come back out in public and I don't know, maybe even resurrect her singing career. I just don't like to see people in this kind of state. And granted, yeah. when we did it last time, it's like, I have no idea. I have no idea what a conservatorship is. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I also joked and maybe I shouldn't have. I'm kind of, I feel like my wife is kind of like my conservator. Um, but I, you know, I just, that makes I just, a lot of good marriages. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's Why what it is. Run the show? <laughs> I just, I just don't understand it. What I, I guess I remember shaving her head, but I just don't know. I just didn't know it was this bad that she's just, yeah. you know, what medications is she on? How is she going crazy? Or is it just like, I don't know, but I want some to survive the rest of this year. <laughs> you know, maybe because I'm like, even, you know, we talk about basketball. Paul George says that he's struggling in the bubble. You know, yeah. I, I guess, you know, maybe if you are stuck in your house and it's just you, you know, yeah, you, you struggle mentally. Yes, yes. You literally he's are had, talking to yourself. Yeah, I mean, she's had a parade of um, young boyfriends who fit the profile of um, everything from assistant around the house to personal trainer. So she definitely mm -hmm. brings in her social life. Yeah. Uh, it, it is tough to watch. And you're right. If it, when celebrities grow, go through this kind of like tragedy um, on a personal level, we all feel like entitled to know everything and we feel like it's our own and we can joke about it, but it is truly so sad. However, I am just happy and relieved for the cult following the free Britney people who just, their wheels are constantly turning, trying to figure out what's going on behind the scenes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, I feel like even when we look at what's going on in our country with the president, with mm. we're, we're thinking about uh area 51 ufos i mean who doesn't love a good conspiracy and this yeah. this falls in that like oh my god what's really going on i just hope that we do get a reality show out of it if britney's okay with it i mean you got the perfect title hashtag free britney and yeah. maybe maybe even for an organization like the aclu or americans with disabilities ada you know, maybe there's some way that they can shed a light on what's happening by turning this into a show and bring awareness out. You know, maybe proceeds go to one of those organizations or another one that's, you know, deals more closely with what Brittany's going through. Honestly, that's a really good call. Um, and maybe the Props Network can take over production for it. Hey, put bets on where Brittany's going to go out hey. today. If she's going to go out today, that's what we'll do. We'll have a prop bet on that. Futures, future bets. <laughs> Thanks, Haley. This has been Thanks, a great, a, a, another great segment of Haley's comments. We'll see you next week. Always fun. Coming up on Just for Sport is former NBA player and world champion, Phil Chenier. He's also former Bullets and Wizards color analyst and now a podcaster. He's a legend. 
You don't want to miss how he compares the civil rights movement from back then to today's Black Lives Matter movement and his outlook on the NBA playoffs when they resume. But first, this brief message. It's time to have a serious conversation about your bookies and illegal offshore betting sites. You can get rid of them now. Cut ties. Legal sports books have a better user experience, more promos, bigger signing bonuses, and you know your money is safe. Where do you find a legal sports book in your state? At thepropsnetwork.com. The Props Network only rates regulated U.S. sports books and is also where you'll find the best available bonuses to start using them. Plus, you'll get great content from media pros like me on Just for Sport. So when legal betting comes to your state, make sure your first stop is thepropsnetwork.com. Remember, it's 21 and over to bet. Do you or someone you know have a gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER today. Now, back to Just for Sport. All right, welcome back to Just for Sport. Jamoke Davis here, and I am joined by Phil Chenier. He is the co-host of one of my favorite podcasts, On the Road with Buck and Phil. <laughs> Uh, I enjoy every minute of it, uh, but you also, I enjoyed every minute of hearing you when I wasn't working, because I was working while you were calling games. I enjoyed every minute of you calling Wizards and Bullets game over the years as well, as I've gotten to know you as we both work for the Wizards organization. Thank you very much for joining me. I appreciate it, Phil. How you doing? My pleasure. I'm doing okay. It uh, could be better, but under the circumstances, but uh, trying to pay attention. But I was going to say, you know, you were on the road with Buck and Phil a bunch of times, too. You know, you I went was. to dinner with Buck and Phil, so you That's know right. what it was like. So <laughs> you can confirm all of our stories. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Some of the best times. And you all enjoy dessert as much, maybe not as much as I do. but <laughs> Not as I, much as you. Nobody enjoys dessert <laughs> like you. <laughs> but, you know, so I had planned for the longest time to ask you to come on the pod. And mm -hmm. I'm sitting at home last night you know, talking to different people about what's happening in our world today, seeing the NBA postpone games. And I said, you know what? Yeah, it'd be great to have a, a, a current perspective too of a player who played in this decade or a player mm -hmm. who's playing right now. But what I really truly want to hear from is someone like yourself. Because what I feel like we are going through now Mm -hmm. is Civil Rights Movement 2.0. And you were around as an NBA player on the tail end of the, the real Civil Rights Movement with Dr. King and Malcolm X and Rosa Parks. And so uh, I wanted to, to hear from you about that, but I wanted to start by just what was your reaction to the cancellation of the game yesterday? Did you expect it? Were you surprised? And what were you thinking through the night? Uh, Jamoke, I, um, uh, early yesterday morning, I think I saw uh, some information. I don't know if it was through social media or some one of my friends texted me, but said that, you know, players were considering um, postponing the game or, or boycotting the game or sitting out, however you want to call it. Um, and, you know, I couldn't help but think about um, what a tremendously tough decision that is. I mean, not only the fact that this is what you do for a living and this is, um, 
you know, a part of your life and lifestyle, you know, but this particular year, these players had to, to give so much to come back into that bubble status and, um, you know, do things and, and get themselves prepared to play another whole season. Mm-hmm. So for them to make that commitment, I, I think, you know, really said a lot. It also uh, forces me to reflect on, you know, those times that I played uh, back in the 70s. And uh, I can't say enough about the athletes of today. And I woke up this morning and saw how many other sports were following suit and, you know, taking a stand and saying, we stand on the right, on the side of righteousness. You know, this is, this has got to stop. This is, this is far too, too excessive to just turn the other cheek and turn the other, turn the head the other way. So, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm really, really proud and excited about the athletes that are willing to, uh, take that stand. Uh, Naomi Osaka, my sister's a huge, huge tennis fan. She texted me late last night and said that she, you know, had decided <clears throat> not to uh, to play her match, which I think uh, really states something when you talk about an individual sport. I saw where baseball and I, I think uh, the Milwaukee Brewers were playing up there in Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. So it, it really stood to reason. But then you had a, a trickle effect where other baseball games were also postponed. The NBA, WNBA, we had uh, Natasha soccer. Cloud on our – what's that? MLS soccer also canceled their games yesterday. Soccer, right, correct, yeah. So we had Natasha Cloud on a couple of weeks on our podcast. And I, <clears throat> and I couldn't be more proud to hear an athlete speak the way she did. She was very tuned in and passionate about uh, her commitment and her feeling. And, you know, she's got teammates that, you know, feel the same way. So it, it's, a, it's, it's a statement about where athletes are today. And, uh, you know, if I were to look back, and the one thing I, I think about my experience growing up in Berkeley, California, for two reasons, was not quite as severe as what we're seeing now because you know Berkeley was a Berkeley was a very progressive area the Bay Area very progressive not to say that they didn't have racial issues as well but it just wasn't as blatant maybe we didn't look for it as much Uh, maybe we looked at, at our athletic opportunities as uh, as kind of a cover up for some of the um, uh, um, some of the subtle things that were going on in in a, in a in racial strife, I think now it's just gotten so blatant, you know. And and of course with with the social media and and the and the cameras, phone cameras, you're able to see things that make it clear what's happening. I mean, I can think back, you know, back in the 70s when there were these, you know, deaths or these, these, and there weren't, it didn't seem like there were as many then. But again, you weren't having 
they weren't being recorded. So they were just being chalked up as a death or, you know, a, a beating or whatever the case. Now it's just so blatant that you just can't turn away from it. And, um, you know, it just seems like the players have really, um, uh, again, taken this to heart. And um, like I said, I, I, you know, I was very proud of Bradley and John and all the other uh, Wizard players. And, of course, the Mystics players got involved as well a couple of months ago during the pandemic um, when George Floyd was killed. And, and they took a stance. They made statements. Uh, they were very um, uh, clear about their position. And it, it's just mind-boggling that, you know, three or four weeks later, here we are again, and you watch this, this shooting, and it just, it, it's just, it's mind-boggling. Mind-boggling. Uh, it's hard to, to understand. I, I'm sorry for rambling like this, but um, as I'm talking to you, okay. <laughs> Still try to make sense of, of all that's going on, and that's not that's not even the the brunt of it. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, you still got you know the pandemic. You've got you know the storm Laura that hit uh, Louisiana, probably devastated um, a couple of cities down in Louisiana. Uh, you got the fires out in California, and of course you've got this you know this president in the White House that is just really exasperating everybody uh, with his, you know, convention. I tried to watch a little bit of that last night and it was very difficult to watch because the little bit I saw, I didn't see any mention about, uh, uh, about Jacob Blake and, uh, you know, the pain that his family's going to be, you know, going through. So, um, mm -hmm. you know, it's just a lot to take in. Yeah, and that's an interesting contrast, too, because the uh, nominee on the Democratic side did did tweet about not just Jacob Blake, but the the protests as well by the, the, the right. lead, the, the players and, and the teams and leagues. Um, and now today you find out the Washington football team is postponing their scrimmage. You know, more NFL players are talking okay. out about it. I didn't it. know that. Yeah, yeah as we're recording okay. on Wednesday – um, when you're growing up, uh, you know, what athletes did you look up to as we imagine the young people today are watching LeBron James? They mm -hmm. know about Colin Kaepernick, Chris Paul, now Giannis and the Bucks protesting, mm -hmm. Natasha Cloud, the WNBA, Naomi Osaka. What mm -hmm. players do you remember looking at? in that same light as they were fighting for not just civil rights, but human rights? Mm -hmm. Well, again, we didn't have the social media. We didn't have people quite as uh, in tune with the political world, not on a large scope. Uh, the first people to come to mind, and this is when I was in high school, was Tommy Smith uh, and John Carlos. Mm -hmm. uh, when they took the stand at the, uh, at the Olympics in 60, 68, you know, mm -hmm. and um, that was a tremendous thing. I always, I, I was always proud of that moment because I thought that they didn't <clears throat> allow, you know, that moment for them um, to take away from what was um, happening you know, in this country in terms of discrimination, 
Um, we had a, 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 a real interesting podcast with Christine Brennan. And, that was another uh, good one. I yeah, but yeah. she brought something in that discussion. She brought something to my attention that I hadn't thought about. And that was, you know, you know, of course, uh, uh, Tommy Smith won the event. So that was kind of his moment. All, although you had, I forget the Australian that, that was second and Carlos to third. Peter Norman. You know, Peter, Peter Norman, Norman was, thank yeah. you. Yeah. But he seemed to be very supportive. I think from what I heard the stories, they told him what they were going to do. So he wasn't totally caught off guard. But say Peter Norman had won that event and they still did that, that could have possibly taken away from his moment in, you know, for all eternity, taken mm -hmm. away from his moment. Didn't think about that part of it. So there's a lot going into it. But you asked about people that I looked up to. Huge Willie Mays fan. I was a giant fan growing up in the Bay Area. Yeah, yeah. A huge Willie Mays fan. So that was clearly my idol. I remember uh, Y.A. Tittle and, and, and um, R.C. Owens with the 49ers. Mm. I mean, those were players uh, that I watched. But, you know, when it comes to this kind of, of sacrifice and this type of crossover, uh, you know, obviously Muhammad Ali, he was the first to really, you know, stand out. Yeah. And in terms of being an athlete. And, and like I said, I, I don't know. And I told Natasha this. I don't know if we had that kind of leverage then back in the 70s as athletes and didn't take advantage of it. Or we just didn't have the leverage then because obviously people were making good money, but they just didn't have that kind of leverage. They didn't have that kind of uh, attention media wise. Uh, and people were just so used to, you know, keeping uh, things car uh, compartmentalized in terms of sports was here, politics and social justice was over here. But now, you know, the players have a lot more leverage. Uh, obviously, there's a lot more money, but the players have, have, have grown. And I think they look back at people like, uh, uh, Muhammad Ali, obviously. They've looked back at people like Tommy Smith and John Carlos. They've looked back at Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Bill Russell, people that, that made a statement. And, and, and along the way, it's gotten stronger. And now you have uh, Chris Paul, LeBron James, you know, taking the lead role with the NBA. You have other people, obviously Kaepernick, uh, uh, who didn't get the kind of fanfare which makes him even more uh important that um i, I you know I, we were talking about this the other day too it was just four or five years ago that he took that stand in terms of uh kneeling for the national anthem mm -hmm. and i mean he was vilified for the most part a lot of you know black athletes and and, and, and black people and and others understood what he was doing and it didn't allow the story and the narrative to be changed but for all intents purposes he was vilified he certainly was blackballed he was removed from the league and of course you had you know you know this president talking about what what the issue was which was not what the issue was and and adding to uh uh the problem 
And now here we are five years later, and what he did makes total sense. Mm -hmm. And you have a lot of people on board across the racial, age, gender, uh, culture spectrum that understand now what Colin was standing for, what his statement was, and you have far more statements that are being made now. So, um, you know, getting back to your question, yeah, I don't, I don't know if we looked at athletes in that, in that light, in that way. I'm 15, 16, 17 years old. You know, Willie Mays was the greatest baseball player ever in my, in my estimate, you know, but I looked at him as that. You know, Oscar Robinson, Jerry West, they were great players. They were the best in Bill Russell, you know, Sam Jones. You know, they were the best, and, and I admired them. But I didn't look at them in a, you know, political, social justice uh, realm. You know, mm -hmm. they were great athletes, and I respected them. And, you know, it's, it's, it, it only comes years later. You know, I've met Bill Russell a number of times, talked quite a bit. He used to play golf with Sam Jones. So I, I loved hearing the stories about the old Celtics and what they went through. And, you know, we had Sam Jones on. And Sam talked about, again, you know, you got to listen to the, these guys. You know, when he was in the league, they went to certain places where they still had segregation. They yeah. couldn't stay in the same hotel as some of their white teammates, mm -hmm. you know. And, you know, it's just, you know, it's not that far removed. Mm -hmm. So you, you have to pay attention to history. You have to listen to those people that come before you and learn from that. And so that's where, you know, you hear, uh, you know, I, I mean, I don't know if you watch TNT, yesterday but oh yeah uh, chris weber mm -hmm. was on point yeah I mean, he, he was he, and he was passionate mm -hmm. i thought a couple times he might break down yeah but he was really articulate and when i say articulate i don't mean he spoke well but he was really clear in the message he was trying to put across mm -hmm. and uh you know that's what that's what we're talking about we're talking about athletes now being able to 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 explain you know how they feel and explain what the situations are and, and you know magnify this story and so mm -hmm. that people have to come aware become aware they can't put their head in the sand and say well I don't know what they're talking about I don't understand this mm -hmm. um, so it's it, we're all connected you know uh, Chris Weber you know has learned from you know, probably, you know, uh, uh, you know, the, 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 the uh, Patrick Ewing's. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know what I'm saying? And right, Patrick right. From Dr. J and Dr. J learned from Kareem and Kareem learned from Oscar. And, you know, it, mm -hmm. it just, it, it, it's a step ladder. And, and the same thing with the game itself. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, we talk about salaries going up. Well, they've gone up because the players before them made it that much more possible mm -hmm. and it's going to be their responsibility to take the game to another level which they're doing because they're they're opening up the the uh they're broadening the perspective of today's athletes and today's sports world it's more than just an entertainment uh venue mm -hmm. you know it's 
is it's a uh, um, it's a picture of society. Yeah. And, and what's good about it and what's bad about it. Yeah. Uh, and I imagine like where you were playing Kareem Abdul-Jabbar with somebody similar to a current player now looking at LeBron, like, what are we doing? You know, you had yeah. someone like Kareem. Tell me if I'm right here. I believe that it's, it's even more important today for athletes to speak up because sports is the last great live event, last great soapbox, or maybe not last, it is the greatest soapbox that no actor, you could say maybe a politician, but they got, they're thinking about constituents and it's just not the same level that I think with, especially with social media today on a massive scale, where an African-American with power, with money, can try to affect change. And I take it a step further when I think of the NBA specifically, because it is kind of like the black sport, right? Mm -hmm. Almost the National Black mm -hmm. Association, the NBA. Like, that's mm -hmm. where it's predominantly black. And then taking it a step further, Phil, I feel like your voice was even more important because even today, you talked about Chris Webber, Kennedy Jeff Smith walked off the set. It's mm -hmm. the black athlete that can allow for us to hear another person of color talking on television as a color analyst. There aren't enough of them as play-by-play. -play. Yeah, you got Gus Johnson, you got uh, um, James Brown doing studio mm -hmm. hosting, mm -hmm. but there aren't enough minorities in that position. And yeah. Yeah. typically that play-by-play -play person, that mm -hmm. studio host is a person who's kind of like disseminating the information and that they reaction control. is coming. They control it. That's the white person controlling mm -hmm. it. But mm -hmm. hearing you talk as a color person is that balance that we need. That's very important. You know, not taking away from Ernie Johnson. He's great. He's great. Right. You know, but I think right. that that's something that I think about on the regional sports level, national sports, that, that an athlete is the voice that we will hear like yourself from a playing career and post-career for 20 years down the road? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I think you're right. And, and because we're talking about, and that's, that's the beauty and the strength of diversity mm -hmm. is that each individual brings a very passionate but very important story to the overall picture. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the way I see this thing going is going to be different from the way somebody you know that's white or maybe somebody that's female or maybe somebody that grew up on the east coast or you, you see or somebody that's a different age so all of those different experiences are going to lend itself to a slightly different story and interpretation and it's all good i mean it, it all makes sense i mean that's what we're striving for is to learn you know how to live in this world together and understand different perspectives so uh, when you have somebody, and I, and I should mention that, you know, it was Oscar Robinson that really led the NBA into total free agency. Uh, my first couple of years in the league, I mean, you weren't a free agent. I mean, after your contract was, was done, you still were the property of that team, mm -hmm. you know. And, and so they got away from that. But, but you know, and, and there were some times, some, some scary times for me. I'm in my second year. And Wes Unsell comes back as our team rep and vice president uh, comes back to us saying that, you know, hey, guys, uh, this is what we're going for. 
we may have to strike, mm. you know? So I'm saying, whoa, I, I just got here. I, yeah. I just want to play ball, you know? Yeah. That's yeah. my mentality as a 21, 22-year-old. You know, I just got to the league. But there's sacrifices that have to be made. Fortunately, they didn't get to that. But those are the kind of things that you were dealing with at that time. And you have to follow the leadership of some of these uh, more experienced people that have been around. But the diversity issue is extremely, extremely important, you know. And, uh, you know, like, 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 you know, we all feel the effect and we understand, you know, more women are getting involved in, in, in the broadcasting. Kara Lawson, you know, was there uh, and took over that role. Um, and you've got Stephanie Reddy that was doing games for Charlotte. Now you've got a couple of other, I don't remember the names, I know uh, Brooklyn. So, I mean, it, we have to continue to, to broaden, our, broaden our perspective and, and become that multi, um, not just multiracial, but multi-ethnic, multi-gender, multi-age, and, and the whole bit. Because, uh, <laughs> I mean, that's the world that we live in. And because of social media, because of, um, you know, the world in terms of transferring information, tra transferring images, uh, that, that story is getting out there a lot stronger, a lot more accurate, and a lot more powerful. Mm -hmm. That's definitely true. Um, who knows? if and when basketball will resume. Um, but as a player, how do you keep Black Lives, the, the Black Lives Matter movement alive, going and feeling comfortable saying, okay, I'm gonna go back and play basketball? Because it's gotta be difficult. I mean, already they're saying Kawhi and LeBron wanna end the season right now, today. And I guess, you I'm know, sorry, they're, there are rumors, yeah, saying that they were kind of outvoted. Most of the other players want to continue on. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. if and when you know, play you resumes. You know what's amazing about that? Yeah. You know what's amazing about that to me, especially looking at LeBron? And I know he's accomplished so much. But, of course, I think he wants that next championship. I think he wants that championship with that other team, you know, mm -hmm. going out to L.A., turning that franchise around. And, you know, obviously, as, as phenomenal as he is, he still is, what, 38, 37, 38. Yeah. You know, time, time doesn't lose to LeBron or anybody else, you mm -hmm. know. So, but for him to be willing to do that, if, if that's the case, you know, that, that says a lot. You yeah. Know, that says a lot about his commitment. And, uh you know, and, and the other thing that I think is important, Jamoke, is that, okay, this is my opinion, him, Kawhi, but whatever we decide, we've got to decide this jointly. Mm -hmm. So if I get outnumbered, I've got to follow, I've got to follow the group plan. I can't say, okay, they want to play. Okay, you guys go play. I'm leaving. That's yeah. not that's that's not going to be a powerful statement. The powerful statement is the unity too. And, and the fact that you've got young players, you've got older players, you've got players in their prime, you've got players that are on the end, end of their career, you've got black players, you've got white players, you've got players from overseas, you've yeah. got players that have uh, come back from the coronavirus, you know, have, been, have tested positive and they've gone through their quarantine, 
made that sacrifice. Now they're here playing and, you know, you got players that are, you know, playing for a championship and that might be stymied, you know, but, but that's, that's the sacrifice that is called for at this time and at this moment. Mm -hmm. On a lighter note, if we can switch, not fully subject, but just let's talk about the basketball. How much were you enjoying the basketball Mm. in the bubble, adjusting to not having fans, just watching the game again. And I can't imagine when you were playing, you were like, man, I need my summer off. I shouldn't be playing right now. That's the thing about it. Here we are. We're turning on September. Yeah. And these guys are just getting into it. And at the beginning of this um, uh, reestablishing the season, Mm -hmm. I was, I was, you know, I was a little condescending. I, I didn't, you know, I didn't think it was going to happen. I didn't think I was going to be caught up in watching these games. Yeah. I'm saying, you know, guys, I mean, guys are mentally have checked out. It's, it's July and August and September. Guys are usually in, in the Caribbean. They're, you know, in <laughs> Europe. They're, you know, they're so far away and removed from this. But I started watching the games, even the eight-game play-in. Yeah, you know, I obviously watched the Wizards play uh, competitive games, and I saw you know the skill level. I saw the talent there, um, and then you get ready for you know the playoffs. You had the play-in game, mm-hmm. which obviously that we never had before. That yeah. was a, you know, so now you get into the playoffs. I got to share this story with you. Okay. So the other day, my wife and I are watching. <clears throat> play up that Sunday, we're watching the games and uh, the Dallas uh, Clipper game comes on. Yeah. So I'm gradually getting into this Luka Doncic, you know, you know <laughs> I, I'm, I'm a little, I'm a little hesitant. I'm not, I'm not going to give somebody, you know, uh, that cred that, that, that you have yeah. to earn. Yeah. You know, but the more I'm, I'm looking at his numbers and this, that. So the game before it sprains his ankle. I mean, I, I'm thinking he's not going to play because mm-hmm. you know it, it swells up, and obviously they've got they've got real good medical attention, and they showed the timeline that he was getting treatment around the clock. I mean, every three hours he was getting some kind of treatment on this ankle, but still, it's going to be sore, it's going to be stiff. So he comes out, they fall behind by 21, and but I'm still watching. You know, I'm saying, well, I'll just you know check it out. Not this is Sunday. Yeah. They start to come back, and he starts to dancing and performing. You know, next thing I know, I'm looking at this triple-double line. He's got, like, 34, 35 points. He's got 15, 16 rebounds. He's got 10. And he's already got the triple-double. Yeah. Double. No. So now it's getting the nitty-gritty time now. And I'm watching it. About three minutes to go in the game, my wife says, you know, we told these friends of ours that we're coming over, we were going to come over and do a, a social visit with them. <laughs> Saying, okay, but, you know, the game is on. <laughs> yeah, but we said 6.30, so I said, okay, well, game's gonna be, this game's going to be over with. You know, they only live about 10, 15 minutes from here. Next thing you know, the game goes into overtime. And she's <laughs> bugging me. So, oh, you know, we said, I said, okay, okay. Then... Her friend, who, where we were going, calls and said, well, are you guys coming or not? You know, kind of ah. thing. I'm saying, wow. So with two minutes to go in the overtime and it's tied, for whatever wow. reason, 
I caved in. I said, all right, let's oh go. Oh, my God. I got in the car. I'm driving. I turn on NBA radio, and yeah. I listen to the play. My buddy, who I had been talking to off and on, he called me. He said, man, did you see that? I said, man, don't talk to me right now. <laughs> Not in a good mood, man. So we get over to our friend's house, and I give that lady the business. I said, look, <laughs> this is the last time I'm caving in. From now on, game is tight. Like, I'm watching the last two minutes. So I, I, obviously, I saw. You know, yeah, they're, right, right. But, you know, um, so I say all that to say I'm into it, you know, and, and I was enjoying watching it. I, I think it was going to come down, is or was, whatever the case may be, yeah. to an L.A. battle. I think the Lakers and the Clippers are the two best teams in the West. Mm -hmm. uh, I think, you know, probably Milwaukee, they certainly seem to be the most committed uh, on the eastern side, having, you know, just come up short last year. I mm -hmm. think, you know, the stage is set for them to, you know, take full control. But, uh, you know, George Hill was another one after that game. And of course, this was, they played their game Monday. So they already had the story was out yeah. about Jacob Blake. Yeah. So mm -hmm. after the game, uh, yeah, That's, that was Monday. After right. the game, George Hill was not in a good place. That was the game that, uh, 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 the, the Clipper game where they, they blew out uh, Dallas that game. Uh, mm -hmm. Was that uh, that must have been Tuesday then? Yeah, and, and then the Toronto and Boston. And Paul, yeah, and Paul George was, you know, yeah, saying Paul he's George not was in talking about place. being in a dark place, mm -hmm. and you know, uh, yeah, yeah. So you know, and George Hill would say, "I don't, I don't even want to be here." Yeah. You know, uh, and they're going for a championship, and again, that's a distraction, you know. And I'm not faulting him. I'm saying that's a legitimate distraction. You're seeing this go on. You know, and this this is 30 miles from where they play their home games. Mm -hmm. So it is close to home. It does, yeah. you know, uh, uh, touch the reality to them. So, you know, uh, yeah, but getting back to your point, I was uh, I was into it. I, yeah. You know, I, and I, you know, if they decide to go ahead and play, I'm sure I'll watch. And I'm sure that if they decide to play, that they will continue to bring attention to whatever the current news is on on this social justice social injustice issue and <laughs> excuse me and will not allow that story to be uh diminished yeah uh it's i'm just uh, i mean the bubble is burst for three teams being swept out of the playoffs 76ers pacers in brooklyn all three of those teams need new coaches so the bubble has not been good for some of these teams out here. Um, you mentioned the Bucks. Do you think they're the favorite out of the East or Toronto? Will they be able to defend their championship against the Lakers or Clippers? You know, I, I think Toronto is, is playing more on their confidence and, and the, the type of, of character they built from last year. I think Milwaukee has more talent Mm. And I also think Milwaukee is driven. 
So I, I think, and let's not forget Miami. There's something about Miami yeah. that's kind of Miami yeah. and Boston. I can't believe I, I just like totally bypassed both of them. Yeah, well, Boston is now playing. They're in the series against Toronto. Toronto, right? yeah, 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 yeah. That that that'll be an interesting series. Uh, no question about it. Those two young studs, Brown and, and um, Tatum, and, and Tatum. Yeah, uh, yeah, they're special, you know. Um, and you have an injury go down for them, but they still uh, have enough to. And I and I love their coach, uh, Boston's mm-hmm. coach. Uh, I'm, yeah. I'm forgetting names all of a sudden again. But anyway, uh, uh, but I still would 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 put my if I had to pick one, I, I would pick Miami coming out of the East. And and I still wow. think uh, when it's all said and done, as much as LeBron wants this. I think the Clippers would, would take the Lakers. Wow. But I could be wrong. My sister's a huge Laker fan. So <laughs> I've been, I was giving her the business because that series is not over with. I mean, it's just postponed. And the last I heard was Damon, uh, Damon Lillard wasn't scheduled to play last night because of his knee. So right. I don't know if an extra day or so will make it possible. But I saw that series going six, seven games at least, you know. I did too. Uh, I mean, I know yeah, that yeah, you know yeah. from from a real life standpoint, Dame Dollar is not ha- you know happy that they're not playing. But at the same time, you're like, man, now I get to rest and yeah, you know, maybe yeah. come back they for the next back. game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, and it'll be uh-huh. interesting to see if Boston Toronto decides to play tonight because I know that Board of Governors is meeting early this morning. Now that the mm-hmm. players have made their decision of what they want to do, the NBA Board of Governors, that is, is trying to make a decision of what they want to do. Well, what did the players decide about tonight? I, That's, I, 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 I think we're all just waiting. Yeah, what, yeah. What's that? I think we're all just waiting for them to okay. actually make a decision. Okay. By the time this plays, you know, um, you know, we will, you know, this will We have, will know by then. We'll yeah, know by yeah. then. But um, also, you know, another question for you uh, with the bubble. Would you have played if you were playing? I know it's a long time between the Spanish flu and, and the coronavirus. Whoa, 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 whoa. But the Spanish flu was in the 1920s. 1919. No, that's what I'm I saying. Would, like you, there was, right, okay. no, not you being that old. That's funny. <laughs> like, to think, you know, it's funny. My wife and I were saying that you see those old pictures and the old news stories of, hey, you got to wear a mask. None of us have been through this. I saw that. I saw that. And and when I saw that, I said, hmm, at some point we got to a point where we discarded the mask. So at least that was a positive sign that, you know, this too shall pass. I don't think it's going to just go miraculously disappear. We've got to, you know, create medicine and and some, some vaccines and whatnot. But getting to your question, I, I I would think that I would play. I would yeah. think that I would go through whatever was laid out there because that's what I did. You know, that's what I wanted to do. And, um, you know, and even the idea of, I mean, that you love to compete. You love to play. You love to pit your talent and your skills with your teammates against that person's talent and skills. Yeah. And like you were saying earlier, it's it's one of the last live unchoreographed activities or, or forms of entertainment. Mm. So, you know, you go into each game as a player thinking, okay, 
I lost that last game, or we lost last year, but this year is going to be different. This game's going to be different, and we just got to apply ourselves a little differently. We've got to commit ourselves a little bit more, and you know, we'll we'll get over this 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 hump. So, um, uh, I I would think that yeah, I would play, but it, it certainly would be very strange to play uh, in a in a in a in a uh, venue kind of like you you do training camp you know where there's a few people straggling people here and there but it's not the thousands of people it's not the arena that you yeah. used to play that's the other thing to think about I mean these guys that have been in the league more than two years they know what the Miami arena like is like they know what the you know uh, uh, arena is in New York or Boston uh Washington you know and and they 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 know what the locker room is like so they're used to that but this is totally different this is this is a facility and and they're not traveling which also can help break some of the monotony it's just it, it's just so many different things that uh, that are making a different situation that uh you know calls for your attention to be that much more focused that much more uh detailed so, uh, but, but yeah, I, I would, I would think that I, I would, you know, play under the pandemic guidelines. Now it'd be a totally different thing again, you know, if, if we, if, if all of a sudden we were that much more socially conscious and decided to, um, uh, make a statement by boycotting the game, uh, that would call on a totally different type of, uh, discipline, I think, but yeah. Um, you know, like I said, we weren't we weren't faced with that at the time. The closest I, I could come to that Jamoke was when I was in college mm-hmm. at Cal Berkeley. My uh, actually, I was, I was still a freshman, and it was the Black Student Union, and they wanted to to protest to have uh, a Black Studies department at the University of California there. Oh, wow. And uh, so the students started protesting. Our, and at that time, you know, Cal was doing a great job of reaching out, trying to bring in a more diverse group. And so more you had a lot of black kids that were starting to come to Cal, you know, from, from the Bay Area, Berkeley uh, especially. And uh, so they wanted to have this Black Student Union program. And so they wanted uh, the basketball players to boycott a game mm-hmm. and so you know we had just me I just got there on my scholarship you know I don't, I don't know if I decided to sat, sit out how that would have affected my scholarship but I you know again I kind of wanted to play so my my thinking was no you know we'll you know we'll protest in other ways but you know we're not gonna not play so yeah. you know from that standpoint you know I, I mean that's the challenge that, that you're faced with in making these decisions. It's not an easy decision. Yeah. Well, I will say, Phil, in all of your answers about not whether you would or wouldn't play in the bubble, you were smart enough, unlike Mike Milbury from NBC, to say that women would have been a distraction to be in the bubble. Uh, so I know Mrs. Shanier would be happy <laughs> to know that. <laughs> you talked about the distractions, but uh, 
realistically, I, I, I do think that uh, a bubble, I even as someone that covered the team, I probably would have said, yeah, I'll go into the bubble to cover this because this is a very unique event right. that's happening. And I do think that the players, you talk about Paul George, he is suffocating. Like it's, you know, you're stuck in here. This is your mm-hmm. life. And um, I can't remember what journalist said it, but he joked that it was startling when uh, uh, the person at the front desk was like, okay, so you'll be here for 78 nights. It's just like, it's like, yeah, that's a uh, long... I didn't realize I said I committed to that, yeah. but I <laughs> yeah. guess I will be. Yeah, right, I... right. <laughs> Bill, thank you so much for giving me some of your time. I really, Anytime. really appreciate it in hearing your perspective yeah. on not just the game on the court, but life off of it and dealing with uh, Black Lives Matter because realistically, our in the moment, our live Black matters are really important for us to talk about. So no question about it. Yeah. Thanks for having me anytime. And yeah, keep the fight. Keep the fight going. Thanks, Phil. I want to thank the legend, Phil Chenier, for coming on the show. Love having him drop some knowledge on sports and my guilty pleasure deserved. I can't end the night without some. Also, hope you enjoyed Haley's comments. We really got below the surface on a couple of those topics. Thank you for listening or watching on the Props Network YouTube page. Please share it and leave a review. You can catch past pods and subscribe for future ones on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, and more. Ciao for now.